0: Hello and welcome to GP Works, the podcast about and for general practice from the Irish College of General Practitioners. I'm Tony Cox and I'm Medical Director here in ICGP and in this podcast I'm talking to Dr. Sumi Dunn about her life and her experiences. Sumi is a GP in Port Arlington, County Leash. She's a clinical lecturer in the Department of General Practice and RCSI, she's a clinical expert on RTE's operation transformation and she's a busy mother of four children. So Sumi, would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself?
1: Thank you, Tony. Uh, I've been here now in Ireland for a good many years, uh, almost coming up to 20 years. Uh, And it has been a wonderful experience because now most of my working career has actually been in Ireland as opposed to England. Uh, Prior to that, I was educated in the United Kingdom. I went to medical school in the United Kingdom. And then it came over here in pursuit of love. (laughs) And stayed. (laughs) You found love in Ireland. I found. Well, I actually found love up a mountain in Kathmandu, with a rather tall Irish fellow, and uh, he persuaded me over a period of time to come over. And why not? Uh, (laughs) And I stayed.
0: I heard you on RT um, explaining about mm. that. Uh, probably our listeners would like to hear a little bit about the Kathmandu experience and meeting man. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so I was in medical school at the time and we had quite a long winter break and I had headed off to Kathmandu with two of my cousins to a bit bit of travelling, and there's one bar where most of the travelling students all hang out at. So I was there one evening, and there was a disco, and there was dry ice, and out of the mists, this really rather tall gentleman with a really long beard turned around and went, how are you?
0: An Adonis (laughs) from Ireland.
1: Absolutely, Adonis from Ireland, (laughs) with the beard, in the shell suit, Uh, but a very funny Adonis, and uh, we just got on really well. So... For the remainder of my medical school and then through my junior training we pursued a long distance relationship between Ireland and England Mm -hmm. for that intervening period of time until I moved over
0: and that was difficult I'm sure yeah no
1: it it was it was challenging Mm -hmm. I think uh to try and juggle you know work and life and then trying to keep a long distance relationship together Uh, and when you realize that it is something that's worth doing it does make you think and prioritise things. Mm -hmm. So it was almost a welcome relief when we both decided that one country would be easier than trying to traverse across two.
0: Okay, all right. You mentioned Kathmandu and your heritage is Indian. Absolutely. Is is that very important to you, Sumi?
1: It is, very much so. My parents were emigrants back to the United Kingdom. Uh, And through my early life, and again through my teen years, they were really... So pivotal in embracing our culture, our heritage, our language. Mm -hmm. And their blueprint has left me wonderfully blessed in being able to speak the Bengali and the Hindi tongue because my parents never spoke English to me at home, even though they were both fluent in English. And my mother worked in the National Health Service as a theatre nurse. Mm -hmm. But what I found, you know, and possibly now reflecting back, is that that warmth of our culture and bringing together of like-minded families so that us as the next generation wouldn't lose our heritage Mm -hmm. was done so ably and so nimbly by our parents that we actually didn't realise it. So we would be at school with all our friends through the week and then at the weekends we would be with all fellow Indian families yeah. from, you know, nearby localities with very similar attributes and qualities that my parents had.
0: Okay. There seems to be that gentleness and warmth in the Indian culture, doesn't it? be? And family is very important.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, my parents are the most incredibly kind people okay. that I've known and I've met. I lost my mother last year uh, and, I st- and I stop and I reflect back a lot. On how I was brought up, and how my father dealt with coming to England as an immigrant back in those early you know nineteen sixties and some of the hostilities that he faced, and his message still to me is you know be kind, okay. you don't lose anything by being kind, and I hope it's a blueprint that I'm carrying forward both personally and professionally. Very
0: good, okay. And your children, have they embraced the Indian heritage, the culture also?
1: They have, they have. They take the best of all worlds. So Mm -hmm. they do puka, they do Christmas, they do Paddy's Day, they do Diwali. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever there's a possibility of a party. (laughs) And and a few sweets, they're there. But but they are very proud, and we've made them very aware, both myself Mm -hmm. and Matt, that there is a duality. And to be proud of both their backgrounds and not to try and be one more than the other Absolutely. and they very importantly are individuals.
0: Okay Sumi, you um, joined a practice in Port Harrington and Matt was obviously part of that story. Um, you know, how did you actually come to join a practice in Port Harrington and establish there?
1: So I, had, I finished my MICGP uh, in 2005 and then Because I had some maternity leave, I then had to do a little few more modules for another year until I was fully accredited in 2006. So thereafter, I did some work in practices around the Midlands. So I had an opportunity to visit and work with lots of practices in Tullamore, in County Offaly, in County Kildare. And as the children were growing up, it was more pivotal for us for me to come and work closer to home. Okay. Uh, mainly from very practical issue of school drops, school pickups, right. uh, attending to last-minute crises that may occur. And an opportunity came a few years ago to join the practice in Port Arlington, uh, and when it came with the retirement of a senior partner, it was almost you know too good to be true. It was what you were looking for. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I'm working in a group practice uh, in a modern building on the outskirts of Port Arlington, and I have to say it's a great... Atmosphere to be working. It's a great town to be part in. It's a privilege to be a GP okay. within the community there.
0: How big is Port Harlington, for Me Port
1: Harlington is just under ten thousand okay. at the moment. The census in two thousand and sixteen clarified at about eight thousand three hundred. We've probably had a bit of a population shift since then, so we're currently sitting just at under ten thousand
0: at the moment. And being a GP in a small town like Port Harlington probably has its own challenges. You're a very recognisable face, and you know <laughs> wherever you go, people will know. <laughs> Uh, is that a challenge? Um, Being a GP living in a small part of Ireland, you know, yeah. I have it in Ennis and. It's yeah, bit-
1: no, absolutely. There's yes and there's no. There's pros and cons. I think rural Ireland uh, and living in rural Ireland and working in rural Ireland has so many positive benefits. Mm-hmm. They do outweigh that. People knowing you. Uh, and I think the town in itself and the community are very respectful and will hold their boundaries when myself and the kids are out and about because then I'm just a mother. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm a parent, I'm exactly the same as everybody else. Uh, they've also been very respectful at school gates, also at parties again when I'm just a mother and nothing more than okay. my kids mother. There are times where yes as we do know the challenges of being in a rural community are there uh, and at times you feel that possibly it may be better to work in a slightly more anonymous right. environment, <laughs> uh, but I think it would be a challenge that everybody would see. but by
0: and large, your patients and your friends respect Absolutely. your dual role and
1: and that is very well appreciated
0: mm-hmm. you've maintained your links with RCSI and you 're a clinical lecturer in RCSI. Mm-hmm. How difficult is it to keep all the strands of your life going you 're a very busy lady.
1: Uh, Yeah, no, I was very uh, privileged to be asked and I'm very aware that my career has followed more of a portfolio Mm -hmm. uh, aspect as opposed to being a very traditional route in that in my latter years of training, uh, one of the then professors who's now retired, Professor Shannon, had asked would I be interested in teaching uh, and that position was coming up uh, and after qualification Uh, it would be suitable for me to apply so I did apply thereafter uh, and I was very lucky to be awarded the post and have stayed there since. For me if anything now at this stage it's an invigorating role to meet and greet and be with students the next generation and I think to be able to give back a little of how we were taught uh, and to embrace some of their youth Mm, and their enthusiasm Actually makes the working week yeah. really very enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I think Bill was probably a great mentor, was he? He's, he was. Phenomenal. He was before his time, really. Yeah, wasn't he? he really yeah. was, an, mm-hmm. you
1: know, an innovator. And meeting someone like Professor Shan in in the latter mm-hmm. parts of my training, he retired soon after. Was you know kind of the icing on the cake to say this is why I want to be a GP. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Sumi, uh, you have a fairly strong presence on Twitter and you're, again, you're you're very visible. Um, How comfortable are you using social media uh, personally yourself?
1: Uh, I tend to use Twitter just from one particular aspect and that tends to be more work-related. I'm not that comfortable with using social media with putting up uh, personal platforms. So there are very few pictures of my family, very few pictures of my children in particular. So I will use Twitter particularly if to disseminate information that is of a robust nature Mm -hmm. uh, around health, around vaccinations, around important messages that I feel that possibly my presence may have some influence and other influences on people. Uh, I do think in the current trend that we're at that multiple engagement through social media can be overwhelming. So I just try to keep it to one platform, I try to keep it to Twitter, my Instagram account is private, uh, and the main reason for that is it's for family only, for pictures of my children, uh, and to keep that, again, that divide, it's a very personal aspect. So I I haven't really engaged in any other further social media aspects. Uh, I do use, uh, as fellow colleagues, the GP forums that are available. Yes, the online uh, forums. The yeah. online forums, which again are great in terms of mm-hmm. information, learning, uh, being able to you know, communicate with a body yeah. of fellow professionals, but probably not as extensively as I should.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's a great community of GPs mm. together in one place there, isn't it? And you can get an answer to a problem very quickly sometimes, don't you? Yeah. How do you protect your children from the evils, I suppose, in inverted <laughs> commas of social media. You know, do you set ground rules? Um, how like, old are your children uh, and, and who do you allow to engage uh, in social, yeah. social media? And so uh,
1: my children probably think I am the worst mother in the world <laughs> uh, and they think I'm awfully strict. Uh, so at the moment we have an age range from 16 uh, down to 6 okay. and I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old and I am very cognizant that one rule doesn't apply to all. So we are very protective over our six-year-old, and we minimise mm-hmm. if her engagement. If not, she has absolutely near enough negligible engagement uh, with social media. We have had a no-screen rule Monday to Thursday in our house for a, a long period of time, and all the children know that. And part of that came from when they get in from school, once they've eaten, once they've done homework, we've got a whole load of activities to mm-hmm. do, if we allow them to sit in front of the TV, I'll never get them away, like any other parent in Ireland. So they've kind of accepted that as ground rule. But then I have a 16-year-old, and my (laughs) 16-year-old, as we all know, (laughs) they have... They're different. They're different, (laughs) and they have rules, and they have ideas, and they have expectations of Mm -hmm. their own. And we have had, you know, meaningful (laughs) engagement. (laughs) Challenging, Uh, challenging, probably, (laughs) engagement. But he is aware, he's very aware that uh, myself and his father wouldn't say police, but we would ask him what he is browsing. We would say what is required. He does know that he has access to a computer in a family room for an educational engagement. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he will openly say that he's doing this. Mm -hmm. He can, you know, disappear with a phone, I am very aware of that. Uh, but I have to also allow safe boundaries and educate him to safe boundaries and also give him that little bit of ownership to say, yes, you are growing up. I think what helps for us is that we have really bad Wi-Fi where I live, (laughs) so the chances of him streaming anything is negligible because I can just about open a very small media file uh, in the house. Mm. Uh, And for us, which, again, on discussion with all the kids we have a no phone upstairs policy no tablet upstairs policy so we have a phone box at the bottom of the stairs so as people go upstairs going yeah, to bed at night park your you there. park your phones there okay. and you go and you know upstairs is for sleeping uh, and we mm. don't take phones or anything that would admit any kind of screen light upstairs
0: That's very good advice, Sumi. It really is. And I I have to say, I must admire that. (laughs) And I'm sure many people listening to this will admire that. It has has to be challenging. It
1: has to be challenging. You know, I'm not, mm. this is not to say that there's Mm. no creaking down the stairs in the middle of the night. (laughs) You know, I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> we're not immune to that uh, however you know we are trying like every parent you have a responsibility Ireland, for it. and we have a responsibility mm-hmm. and I think it's mm-hmm. that cognizance and that shift mm-hmm. that as your children grow whatever you have instilled in a young age we need to be adaptable Absolutely. to move with that and if anything say the internet is here uh, rather than saying no 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 yes yes let's work with and You know, educate.
0: Absolutely. On your Twitter profile, there's a HPV symbol there. Vaccination is very important to you, and it's something that you really feel GPs and you personally should advocate for and strongly
1: promote. Yeah, 100%, Tony, and it would be a common theme. And Mm -hmm. quite often, you know, I will put up another tweet to say, you know, vaccines work, hashtag vaccines work. And I think it's a very strong, universal message that as healthcare professionals and from an evidence base that we are saying the same universal message so that any fears, any concerns that our patients or the community at large may have that they are allayed to say this is robust information coming from healthcare professionals that we can trust, that we can confide in, and vaccines work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not going to sway from that.
0: Yeah, because they trust us, I suppose, to Absolutely. give them the correct answers or the truthful answers or the evidence-based uh-huh. answers, and it is an important part of our role as uh, GPs.
1: Without yeah. a doubt. And the public engagement with general practice is still mm-hmm. stellar, and they still trust us mm-hmm. as their primary healthcare provider. So for us to keep this message going and for us then to come back to our patients to say we believe in vaccines, vaccines work, it's very simple, Mm -hmm. just reinforces the ongoing aspect of this.
0: Another strong passion of yours, Sumi, I know, is the whole area of sexual and reproductive health. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. this year, it's been quite a momentous year in Ireland with the introduction of uh, medical abortion and the under-12 weeks gestation. Tell me about your role in advocating for that and your role in promoting and supporting that, Sumi.
1: Absolutely. Uh, my privilege, having been trained and born in the UK, is that access to abortion healthcare was never an issue. Okay. So it was a privilege, it was a right, I took it for granted to be honest Uh, and having had that privilege coming here and to see a very different shift Mm -hmm. in my years of working was quite something to take on board. In terms of getting involved here in Ireland I have to say, I wasn't involved right from the beginning with the absolute pioneers and the the phenomenal group With the advocacy for it. With the the advocacy mm, for same. And I think mm -hmm. that was because of my background to say, well, I always had access. That wasn't a problem Mm -hmm. for me uh, in terms of being a student, in terms of being a woman, in terms of practising in the United Kingdom before coming here. But coming to the movement and meeting these phenomenal people involved just spurred something in me to say that this is so right, we need to give women the choice. We need to give women robust choice and we need to give women the opportunity to feel safe in their choice. And with that, I think that's where it came from for me to say if there is anything that I can do, uh, supporting a campaign, doing a few small tweets being a slightly visible presence, yes. I would be very you know, honoured to be part of that. And also getting to know a new body of committed people in Ireland. It's just been quite something. Yes, okay. From us, since January, we've been rural providers. Yes. Uh, and as a rural provider, the normalisation within the day is quite phenomenal. So within the waiting room, nobody will know and I think that's what makes us unique. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that now women don't have to travel. They have access to a phone number. They have access back to a healthcare professional. And their care is provided. It's quite something. I'm very humbled mm. by that. Within
0: the, within the GP setting. Absolutely. I'm,
1: and I'm still, every day, whenever I'm providing abortion health care, I'm very humbled by it, to be exactly. able to say that I can look after you, my colleagues can look after you, yes. uh, and yeah, I, I still take uh, yeah. a moment to reflect over that. Yeah,
0: and, and it's, it's important to you, yeah. and it's important to all, all the patients in Ireland, absolutely. Yeah. Before we leave that area, um, free contraception, of course, is the yes. next frontier, <laughs> absolutely. and um, where everybody is advocating for this yes. also. What yes. are your views on that, Sumi?
1: I think it is so pivotal, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Coming back, you know, thinking back on the argument that now women do have access to safe legal abortion, Mm -hmm. which is provided by the state, it seems slightly anachronous that we can't (laughs) actually provide free contraception. Uh, And that just seems a logical, intuitive step. And it is disappointing to hear the recent announcement of free contraception, but not a totality of service. Uh, And that, I think, again, as a body of practitioners, together with other allied women's movements within Dublin and the rest of Ireland, that's what we're looking for. So we're not just looking for pills, mm-hmm. we're not just looking for condoms. What we're looking for really is the provision of long-acting no. reversible larks, yes, yeah. contraceptives, mm-hmm. Uh It was disappointing to see written down that because a certain percentage of women are already have access mm-hmm. to same, the consideration for all women wasn't there. It is very difficult for us to provide an abortion service and then go on to have the conversation to say, well, now I'm going to have to charge you okay. for a long-acting reversible contraceptive. Okay. Uh, that is difficult, and that is cost prohibitive.
0: Okay, all right. Moving to a different area, but one that is close to your heart, which is Operation Transformation, childhood and adult obesity. It's a yes. huge problem in Ireland. Absolutely. And, and we obviously have gone wrong somewhere along the way. What are your thoughts on that? Where have we gone wrong? And what can we do to actually stop it and, and actually turn back and, and, and turn the tide back?
1: I, I think, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we have to be open that obesity now is probably, you know, one of the leading causes around chronic disease and impact on community health uh, as, as we move forward. And particularly we're seeing the incidence of childhood obesity increasing. Very difficult to say, did we go wrong? How do we go wrong? What to do? Possibly if we go back and we look back at eating habits, lifestyle habits... An exercise there could be a moment around that what we do know is that at least 20 30 years ago we were walking more yes. we were eating more from the land we were not using as many convenience foods prepackaged foods or grabbing a snack on the nice. way from somewhere or even more so eating at our desks so all of the that's seep slowly into our culture over the last 25 years grabbing a bite to eat at your desk not moving has become <laughs> part of the cultural norm feeling slightly <laughs> guilty here <yours> for me <laughs> uh, i think there's more complex issues when we look at childhood obesity i think you know we can't just say we got it wrong i think yeah. there's a, a multifactorial That's- aspect around that it's complex what I don't ever want to see is that I don't ever want to see parents being put in a position where they feel they did something wrong, mm-hmm. because there are so many societal, environmental uh, and, you know, and internal aspects that come around childhood mm-hmm. obesity. And I think what we need to do is look at education and look at keeping it very safe that everybody feels that a change can be made for the betterment of the child mm-hmm. coming into their teenage years and adult years.
0: Okay, and getting back as well to your children, and you, you know, and we've talked about protecting them from the perils of social media. <laughs> yeah. How do you protect them from the perils of the problems with obesity and overweight and lack of exercise and healthy lifestyle? How, uh, yeah. <laughs> do you promote that strongly within your own family? We do. I mean,
1: I, I alluded earlier. M- My gang are out. It just happens to be something that myself and Matt are quite passionate about. Mm -hmm. So we are real foul weather. Get them out there. So irrespective of the rain, irrespective of the cold, they're out there. They're doing activities either with the the sport in the local school or they're Mm -hmm. out in the garden. Uh, I again the uh, privileges of rural living my guys can go out and play and get muddy and go looking for a dog who's got stuck somewhere or find a hen uh, mm. and they've got all of that going on but we I don't helicopter so if they've run out in a t-shirt they've run out in a t-shirt right. you know if I've managed to catch them with a raincoat great Okay. Uh, you know this you're is, not, again it's not, not
0: agonising over them getting pneumonia them no I'm not
1: or you know having the wet hair and running mm. around in the wet hair uh, however you know we're not immune. We're not immune to you know chocolates and sweets and cakes. And if I let them, they would. Okay. You know yeah. they would yeah. all yeah. day, every day. Uh, but they know uh, that you know there is a let's say a, a slightly smaller supply in the house. I try and bake as much as I can uh, when I when it's possible. Interestingly, my mom was a phenomenal cook. and uh, made the most wonderful curries, but she never baked. Okay. So a really big thing for me was to bake for my kids growing up because like mm-hmm. mom always bought cakes.
0: Oh okay. And you enjoy the <laughs> uh, baking? And yeah, yeah so. I do.
1: I really like baking. So uh, that was a bit. That was a big thing for me. Uh, so yes. Yeah, so most of our cakes are baked mm. at home, uh, and there are days where there isn't anything you know really fancy mm-hmm. in the fridge, and they just get over it.
0: Okay. Are you a bake-off fan like my wife? You were? I do. Yes. I do.
1: Uh, and I watch it more. So to see the interaction between the candidates. Right, it's good, and it's good, yeah, good, pro- it's good it's TV. It's a great it, programme. And then you kind of get, can I do that? Can, <laughs> I, can I, in that time space? Yeah, so it's that kind of guilty pleasure of, of why I ship.
0: Talking about TV, yeah, you took on the role as one of the clinical experts on Operation Transformation mm. earlier this year. Yeah, That was a whole new departure for you. Yeah, and, you absolutely. Know, uh, has it been fun? Have you enjoyed it? It's been
1: it? really good fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reception has been fantastic it's been Mm -hmm. overwhelming uh yeah and uh again very lucky i've been asked back to go on the next series series 13 which is commencing Mm -hmm. in january 2020
0: you must have done something right so i
1: must have done something right uh but yeah no it was it was really interesting to Mm -hmm. be involved in that and seeing again a very different sphere of uh how health is perceived by the nation Uh, and when we look at it as individuals it's very easy for us to get siloed into a model of care that we're there with our patients but then having a bigger platform of being able to give information that tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people will be listening to it's quite an honour
0: it's got a massive uh, viewership hasn't it really a a, a huge target audience
1: exactly and Mm -hmm. it it is it's great Mm -hmm. fun I mean it's a great team to work with Mm -hmm. Uh, and again it just adds as I said to that slight portfolio aspect Mm -hmm. uh, that I seem to be pursuing
0: (laughs) (laughs) are there any memories in particular that stood out for you during the year
1: I think, yeah, no, absolutely. One particular uh, leader who everybody would recognise had a story that just touched everybody's hearts. Uh, And her character and just her passion and the humble nature of her just every so often you get moved Mm -hmm. Uh, and we were all moved and I remember being in tears when we first met her. Right from the start? Right from Mm -hmm. the start uh, and at no given point did she ever feel the why me it was just this tomorrow is another day and the positivity Mm -hmm. just came through throughout the whole program and then the outcome of hearing the pregnancy towards the end was just a wow moment Mm -hmm. and myself and the others were one of the early people to know, to know that, yes. uh, and to hold that information. Yeah. It was just you want to tell everyone, but understandably, G- it doesn't n- allow that.
0: <laughs> so
1: that was a, a big moment. Mm-hmm. But again, meeting all the others uh, individually uh, and getting insight into their lives uh, in such a public aspect mm-hmm. was really, you know, quite something. Uh, yeah, and okay. uh, I'm, you know, again you know, thanking, you know, okay. the public and also the leaders for allowing, for, for, for letting sharing, them in, yeah, letting you
0: absolutely. into their lives so personally yeah. like that. You're here, to so me, following on on that theme, you're here in ICGP today giving a talk on healthy living. I am. Indeed. Would you have any quick tips that you'd like to pass on to our listeners and the rest of us out here, you know, about healthy lifestyle? Uh, absolutely. A few quick wins.
1: A few quick wins. Appreciate your day. You know, that's the first thing. Every day is a new day and appreciate mm-hmm. your day. But from the moment you wake up, there are a few things, small things you can do. I'm a big advocate for eating something in the morning. Not just toast, not just coffee. Okay. Have <laughs> a proper know, breakfast. Have a proper breakfast, you know, enjoy it, and then set off on your day that way. Because it does minimise that 11 o'clock snacking. And we know mm-hmm. that. You know, Some sustained, good energy fuel through the day. For us as practitioners get up and go out to the waiting room, if you're not already. Uh, We in the practice are very much, we got rid of the intercom so we go to the waiting room just very simply you know from chair to door to waiting room Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that in itself through the day you'll build up a few steps we're all using the stairs i'm in a two-story building we use the stairs as many times as possible if you can 50 squats at lunchtime simple things yeah simple things 50 squats at lunchtime yeah standing desks if you can so i try and stand as much as i can uh through the day uh, my patients sometimes think what is she doing why is she standing <laughs> uh, but again you know it was part encouragement and through operation transformation we moved to a standing desk last year Okay, uh, and that has shown proven benefit for doing that so some very small things I choose to walk as much as possible uh, it's not always possible and I'm really aware of that for mm-hmm. our listeners that with the nature of the work and with house calls and just with everything it's not possible to work walk everywhere and you may need a car But my days when I'm certainly in Dublin I make the effort to walk down the quays Uh, take in the air, have a look around, appreciate the fact that I'm going to get a really great cup of coffee uh, (laughs) and head into work.
0: I have to laugh at the standing desk, I think, because this is a standing desk that we're sitting at. (laughs) (laughs) My my predecessor in this office uh, used it as a standing desk. So perhaps I might take the tip and maybe next week if you come back you might find me standing. Standing, Uh, You seem to enjoy all your multitudinous roles. What are your hopes and plans for the future, Sumi?
1: I hope that I can carry on, uh, you know, with with everything uh, and doing this all to the best of my ability. I think when it comes, when I'm not able to provide in any one capacity, that if if it's becoming too burdensome, I think I'll pull back then. Okay. But for the moment, it it's suiting myself, it's suiting my lifestyle, we're adaptable around our young family, uh, and I hope to carry on going as as I okay. am for the time being.
0: Very good. And two challenging questions before we finish. Yeah. If you had Simon Harris's ear for oh. twenty minutes or thirty minutes, and you he says to you okay Sue me, what would be the two priorities that you would like to flag for me? What would you What would you say? You?
1: Uh, uh, with a vested interest, and I will make no ashamed <laughs> comments to that. Number one, we have to have lark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minister Harris, without a doubt, we need this consideration and it has to be accessible in this comprehensive reproductive suite. Uh, my second thing, again, is looking at the providers of abortion health care, we need to get our exclusion zones okay. uh, as soon as possible to, to also look after our providers of abortion health
0: care. Because that had been promised, but it hasn't actually materialised. hasn't yet materialised,
1: and I do understand there are many layers to this, but again, It is important moving forward.
0: And the last challenging question, uh, you're a mum and a GP. If one of your four children says, mum, I'd like to follow in your footsteps, I'd like to become a doctor and I think I'd like to become a GP, what would you say?
1: I would support them, absolutely, Mm -hmm. 100%. Medicine sometimes gets a bad press uh, and the challenges and the difficulties of getting into medical school and thereafter, how difficult it is being a junior doctor. Mm -hmm. The right support... Uh, encouraging them along the way and being there when things may not go I would absolutely support that should they choose to not be a doctor that's also fine with me
0: okay
1: but should they then say mom I'd love to be a doctor I'd love to be a GP 100% 100% B-A-G-P
0: okay. Absolutely and on that positive note I think that's a perfect ending Sumi it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today and thank you for setting aside this little bit of time before you give your healthy lifestyle talk to all the staff and to all the members here in college So to wrap up I'm Tony Cox this is the GP Walks podcast series um, the series is available on SoundCloud iTunes and Spotify so we'd love it if you would subscribe and we'll be back again with another episode very very soon so thank you everyone